0: It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King Sports King on Sports 1061.
1: And good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Sports King Show. We appreciate you joining me on your way into work this morning on this Tuesday, October 20th, steamrolling towards Halloween and, of course, the month of October. Many of you dealing with some cold temperatures and, of course, the upper regions getting a lot of snow coming in. And we hope wherever you're at, you are safe and sound and your family is healthy as we head towards the end of October. We want to thank our sponsors for the Sports King program. The nerve company never underestimate radical vision. You can reach CEO Andrew Fisher and his outstanding team in Denver, Colorado. Simply go to www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com. They do graphics, website design, marketing plans. They do it all at www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com. We want to thank our friends at CMA's Colonial Honda. They continue to keep lives moving forward. Go out for yourself. New cars, used cars, an amazing selection, which can be delivered directly to your door if you'd like them to. President and General Manager Tim Cosgrove Folks, simply one of the finest people you'll ever meet in your life. He has the best car selling team in the country. They'll make it happen for you every single time at CMA's Colonial Honda. Give Tim a call, and he has a personal touch unlike any other out there. He will sit down with you either in person or by phone and help make it a great buying experience that you will not forget. That is CMA's Colonial Honda. The podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross. If you have a foot problem of any kind, our great friend Dr. Paul Ross and his staff will get you on the road to recovery with offices in both Springfield, Virginia, Bethesda, Maryland. Join the over 240,000 people that have been seen by the very best in the business, Dr. Paul Ross and the podiatry center. The Sports King Show features the Ross Rules of Foot Care heard here weekly to help those in need of foot care advice and assistance. And we also welcome back to the program Joe Mowgli and the Joe Mowgli Report. Brought to you exclusively by Coastal Carolina University. Listen to the current chairman of TD Ameritrade, who offers insight on life, finance, and sports. Heard here weekly on the Sports King Show. It's the Joe Mowgli Report. And to start the morning off, we are excited, as always, to have our great friend. You know him. He's a regular contributor to our program. Uh, Mike Neville, owner of MHN Productions, also has covered high school sports. College sports and pro sports, a true renaissance man, if there ever was one. Somebody that knows all the sports, and we value his input here on the Sports King program. He joins us this morning. And Mike, I wish he was under happier circumstances for you. As last night, I was rooting, as I have been for you since my team, the Washington football team. You remember those guys uh, who used to be a once proud franchise. Your team was 4-0 and steamrolling for what I thought, not only AFC title, I'm not saying they're out of anything by any means, but the last couple of weeks, some blemishes have been revealed. Do you look more at this as you know a situation with the quarterback play? Do you look at it as just the total collapse in terms of uh, across the board? What are you seeing over the last several weeks with your Buffalo Bills who fell to the world champs? There's no uh, great disgrace in that. Of course, uh, the Chiefs improved the 5-1, Bills fall to 4-2. and what did you take away from this loss, and what did you learn about your team?
2: Well, I learned that the defense is a train wreck. They uh, they've got to get something done. I mean, they just they're just playing awful. They really haven't played well at all throughout the season, and uh, you know, a lot of defenses can say that because the uh, offenses are putting up some video game numbers, but uh, the Bills are just, uh, you know, and it's really shocking because this defense was a top uh, five defense the last two seasons, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, they've lost a few people. Of course, Jordan Phillips went uh, the free agent route to Arizona, and uh, Shaq Lawson went to Miami via free agency, but they brought in some talented people in Mario Addison, and uh, Vernon Butler, and uh, Quinton Jefferson but they're just not getting it done they can't stop the run Uh, and last night uh, Andy Reid, the brilliant coach that he is, uh, you know everybody was expecting uh, Mahomes to throw but in the weather conditions with the rain, uh, they just pounded the ground and uh, rushed for well over 200 yards and uh, rushed uh, 46 times and uh, the Bills defense has really got some major problems now, they didn't have Matt Milano last night which is a huge loss especially uh, as far as the passing game going, you know, covering Kelsey but uh, really it was just that front uh, seven that's just not getting the job done. They're not getting off the ball. They're getting blown off the ball by offensive lines. And it's a real concern that I'm sure it eats at uh, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, two very good defensive minds. But right now, this team is uh, in chaos as far as the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, uh, they rushed for 80 plus yards. But again, uh, you got to have better balance there. And of course, Josh struggled, uh, only 120 some yards throwing. So, uh, you know, they got some problems. I think what it proved is the Bills are not an elite team yet in the uh, NFL and probably aren't this year, but, uh, uh, they've got to get this thing straightened out. Uh, you know, you don't want to make this a, you know, you got a two game slide going, you don't want to make it three in a row. And, uh, they still lead the AFC East. So there are some positives, but right now I can guarantee you there's, uh, uh, quite a depressive state up in Western New York.
1: Mike, what concerns me the most is what concerns you. Uh, the Bills defense, which I thought was stout, which had been playing much inspired football. I was really excited about what they've done in, from a defensive standpoint. Sean McDermott seemed to have these guys clicking after four weeks, but then the last two, 46 times, and these guys were just missing tackles. They weren't following through. I didn't think they were getting to the ball. 243, uh, 45 yards, a 5.3 yard average. That was most concerning to me, and I know to you in terms of the defensive front. They're not, and is not there, so you're missing some pieces. But it just was the way that they were losing and getting blown off the ball. That was very disappointing. But then Josh Allen, it was good to see him afterwards, 14 of 27, 122 yards. Just a very poor night overall. Now, the weather, uh, we can blame the weather. Both sides had the weather. Patrick Mahomes, 21 of 26, 225, 8.7 yard per average, two touchdowns. And Josh Allen, to his credit, had two touchdowns, one interception. But the fact is, from Wyoming, Mike, with a cold weather atmosphere there, and the fact he's played in the snow, he's played in the bad weather, you would think that would be a nice transition to to upstate New York in terms of the weather. And last night it was kind of the cold, sleety feel to it that – foggy issue aspect and many people are like, well, you know, it's bad weather night for him, but I-, I didn't buy that. I just didn't think he looked comfortable and give credit to Sp- Steve Spagnola and Kansas City defense. I felt they kept him off balance with a lot of different looks at the line, a lot of different blitz packages. He just looked uncomfortable. For the first time I've seen him in six games, he really didn't look like himself. And like you say, afterwards, immediately he said, I want to write the ship and get back, as you said, and not make this a third loss in a row. But I saw some things with him last night on an uncomfortable level that he needs to fix this week in practice. And I know that was concerning to you last night as well.
2: Yeah, he didn't have the swagger. In fact, he hasn't had the swagger in the last two games, you know, uh, with Tennessee and now Kansas City. So he's got to get that swagger back. They've got to come out and, uh, you know, uh, get off to a good start uh, against the uh, Jets on Sunday. Hopefully they play on Sunday. You know, the schedule thing has been outrageous too, but uh, I'm looking forward to being able to watch a game on Sunday that includes the Buffalo Bills. But anyways, um, uh, he's just got to get the swagger back. The whole team does. I mean, they they, – You know, he's got to distribute the ball to various receivers, which he's been doing. But, you know, in the Tennessee game, the only guy that was getting open apparently was Stephon Diggs in the first half. Uh, Cole Beasley didn't get a look in the first half and then ended up with, I believe, six catches in the second half. But he's just got to distribute the ball around. But uh, I really thought the defensive – Team or the defensive team would, uh, you know, struggle early on, and they have, but, you know, be with no preseason and not being able to tackle and practice and so forth. But this thing has lingered now for, you know, six games, and uh, so it's. Uh, they've got to get it going. And, uh, you know, offensively, I didn't expect uh, Josh and the and, uh, company to put up those kind of numbers on a consistent basis, but they've really floundered here the last uh, two weeks. So, uh, Coach Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, has got to, you know, got to get it turned around. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll start this Sunday uh, against the Jets.
1: Of course, as you said, the Bills, with 84 yards rushing, didn't hit the key metric of 100 yards, which they want. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie, 161 yards rushing, tied to third most by a rookie in Chiefs history. He's running well, and, of course, then they get Le'Veon Bell, who's sitting there in the yeah. wing. So that's all That's all the rich need to do is get richer. But when you look at the situation with the Chiefs, I thought they played well, not great, but played well enough to uh, to win in this one. But the key problem I felt the Bills had was when they – Broke containment. When Patrick Mahomes gets outside the pocket, he was able to create and make moves with his feet, get upfield and also to uh, pick out some key receivers downfield. But on the day, Stephon Diggs, six receptions, 46 yards. He played well. A guy I felt has played well all year, Tremaine Edmonds. He had 12 tackles, eight solo. He's doing all he can, but like you say, Mike, I think he just has to have some more help there for whatever reason, just not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. And their tackling, I thought, has been bad the last couple weeks. Yeah, bad tackling, you have bad results. So 26-17, the, Bulls, the Bills uh, fall, but once again, they still have their own destiny in their hands, so that's a positive and, Nothing like the J T Jets it's Jets to get back on the winning track. So hopefully that'll happen. Now let's turn our attention to the nightcap. And when you look at what happened last night, you know Mike McCarthy, the Dallas Cowboys. I would say how about those Cowboys? But you really don't want to talk about that if you're a Cowboys fan today. I thought the Red Rocket coming, a Red Rifle coming in, would be a hopefully a shot in the arm. Thirty-five of fifty-four, two sixty-six, one touchdown. The Cardinals. And Kyler Murray has never lost in that stadium. Of course, dating back to when he played for Allen Texas and all the playoff games he played there. He just is electric. Came in, got a slow start. The Cardinals blow out the Cowboys, improving to four and two. The Cowboys two and four. Thirty-eight to ten was their final. Dalton played okay. But when you look at this game, the Cowboys, uh Zach Martin, of course, injured in this game, you look at the overall play. Uh, Kyler Murray, 9 of 24, 188 yards, two touchdowns. Andy Dalton had one touchdown, two interceptions. But Ezekiel Elliott putting the ball on the ground multiple times and afterwards said, you know, losing two fumbles and uh, giving away the ball, uh, turnover to 14 points there. He didn't play well. They didn't run the ball well. You look at everything in terms of receiving. They had 266 yards, 97 rushing. But this Cowboys team is an absolute mess. What do you see there in the NFC East? These guys just look like they're not on the same page.
2: No, they haven't been on the same page. Now I'm with you. I mean, they said it last night on the telecast that, uh, you know, Andy Dalton is probably the best backup quarterback in the league uh, uh, but he uh, struggled last night. Now the second interception they had, that there should have been a flag on the uh, uh, defensive back for the Cardinals because he kind of mugged uh, C.D. Lamb up and Lamb fell and that gave, uh, I think it was Fitzpatrick or, or Kirkpatrick I should say the opportunity to pick the ball off. But having said that it didn't matter. I mean they, they, the Cowboys weren't going to win that game. And how would you like to be a defensive guy trying to, to uh, contain Kyler Murray? Now Patrick Mahomes has some quick feet and is very elusive. But I want to tell you, this guy Murray guy. He, he scoots around. I mean, it's uh, it's like watching Pac-Man. I mean, he just runs and runs, and he's so quick, and his feet are so light. And uh, man, I tell you, I would not want to, of course, the Bills have him in a few weeks uh, down the road in Arizona, so I'm not looking forward to that one at all, but uh, he is something else to uh, watch, and uh, I'm really impressed with Arizona. Uh, I think uh, they've done a great job. They, of course, they had DeAndre Hopkins. They made that great trade uh, with Houston to get him, and uh, you know, but uh, yeah, Dallas is in complete disarray. Mike McCarthy uh, is uh, just... He hasn't found the right buttons yet, and of course, injuries have played a factor in that, with losing Dak and so forth. But still, uh, and again, Elliott, uh, you know, putting the ball on the ground. Uh, the Dallas got a lot of problems now. They still have an opportunity to win that uh, very exciting division. Wink, wink. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, it's uh, you know they they probably have the best talent in that division. But that doesn't mean you know that's on paper. And of course, we all know you don't win the games on paper. So uh, they've got uh, they've got to figure out some problems to solve as well.
1: Yeah, Mike, you know, when I look at this division, it's an absolute mess. Of course, four turnovers in this game with no Dak Prescott. When you look at the Cowboys last night, uh, uh, Kyler Murray, I've known his dad, uh, Kevin Murray, former Texas A&M quarterback, friends with him. And I remember Kyler as a high school player watching him winning four titles in, in high school, just an electric player. But when you look at him, he's a small guy. And he's getting better as a passer, but he's almost like Russell Wilson light, if you will. I mean, he's one of those guys that's not as big as Russell Wilson, but he is a human joystick. I mean, he's 4.2 on the speed factor. So when he gets outside brace containment... Even when you have him, you don't have him because, like you say, with his feet, he's able to give you just a little juke, and he's gone by. You can't catch up to this guy. He is such a, a, like a jitterbug. He's just so fast, and he's so elusive. And so he adds that dimension in this Cliff Kingsbury offense. And 38 points last night with DeAndre Hopkins It's not a team that has all the parts, but it has a solid defense getting better on the Cardinals side. They played well. I saw the mugging you talked about on that one play some people say incidental some people say mugging it was quite the mugging but I've seen a lot and I saw also in the Chiefs game going back to that game your Bills receivers were mugged quite a bit I thought the the uh, referees were really letting him play and I've noticed in the past few weeks in terms of referees it seems like they're letting a lot go on in the secondary in terms of hands-on without getting called have you noticed that over the last few weeks in terms of the referees kind of letting him play in the backfield
2: well, I've noticed the, uh, the one word that comes to my mind is inconsistency. I mean, you see one play and there's, a, you know, just a, a hand battle and you think, well, why, why was that flag thrown? And then you see one, like I said last night, uh, with, with uh, a Kirkpatrick, uh, you know, and it's like, how did you miss that? You know, so very inconsistent. And, of course, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's all about the offense. The NFL, as I mentioned before, uh, when we talked, uh, you know, baseball, the chicks love the long ball, well, uh, you know, if, uh, it's football, it's the things, that uh, fans like offense, which, you know, in this day and age with video games and so forth, that's what they want. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the you've noticed there's not as many holding calls and so forth. So, uh, yeah, it's, but it's been very inconsistent with regard to uh, – and it's a tough – listen, it's a tough uh, uh, penalty to call because uh, but there's, most of the time it goes against the defense. And I'd like to see the defense get rewarded every once in a while. But it doesn't happen too often.
1: Mike, let's talk about the NFC Least. A team that that lost last night, thirty eight to ten. Okay, they got blown out, thirty eight to ten. Humiliating loss by the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are leading the division, two and four. The remaining three teams in the division, one and four, are the Eagles, one and five, or the G Men, and one and five, or my Washington football team. You're you're there. You see the Washington football team. Ron Rivera was supposed to come in, restore order. No answer at the quarterback position. No answer defensively. No answer offensively. No glimmer of hope. For a franchise 30 years nearly of nothingness, when you look here at this team, and I say they put the fun in dysfunction because, you know, I just shake my head. It's like I can't, it's like a car accident. I see I can't watch Mike because of I'm just waiting for once you put. Your finger in this hole, like the boy in the dike, the other hole starts leaking. And every time you turn around, I want to say my team's progressing. I want to say my team's improving. I want to see my team's getting better. Mike, do you see anything, anything that you can tell me in terms of a glimmer of hope for the Washington football team?
2: Well, first of all, you know, the thing is, uh, supposedly Ron Rivera went to uh, Kyle Allen because he thought. The team had a chance to win the division, and now, now that sounds outrageous. But in that division, it's not so outrageous. However, having said that, as you mentioned, I don't see any progress now. Terry McLaurin is a bona fide star. That kid is something else. And uh, you know, uh, they've got a little bit of pieces. Like I said, like I said before, I don't think they have talent. A lot of you know, you have some talent, and I just don't think the uh, the the uh, I almost said the the R word. Uh, the Washington football team is not drafted well. And, um, and it is, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, Ron Rivera, I'm a little disappointed, uh, in him. I thought, uh, he was the right fit for this team, but he's made some strange calls, uh, you know, with regard to personnel and, and so forth. But, uh, but again, hey, it is the NFL, uh, NFC elite. Now listen, the Giants play Philadelphia on Thursday. And then Philadelphia plays, I believe, Dallas and then has the Giants again. So Philadelphia could, in fact, get a little three-game winning streak go, and they could be on top of the division. I mean, it's, just that, it's just that wacky of a division. And uh, But the uh, Washington football team has a lot of problems on the field and off the field, of course, uh, with the, uh, the minority orders, uh, you know, with Snyder and uh, so forth. So it's a complete mess, and it's really a shame because it's been such a proud franchise for over 80 years. And, uh, you know, but for the last, as you mentioned, for the last 25, 30 years, uh, it's really been just a carousel of uh, a revolving door of coaches and players, and they just haven't been able to find the right mix. And I'm just not sure. You know, I like Ron Rivera, but I'm just not sure. And I also wonder how much his health is is playing into this, too, you because know, right. there's been right. some folks uh, uh, saying, you know, maybe he should step aside because of his health problems, because he's uh, giving way to some of the media situations to uh, Jack Del Rio. So interesting to see. But again, uh, you know, supposedly the reason he dropped uh, Dwayne Haskins and went with Allen was uh, that he thought they could win the division, which, you know, when you think about it, probably wasn't a outlandish thing to think about. But they just don't have the talent, I don't think, this year to uh, contend this, even as bad as the uh, NFC East is.
1: Mike when you look at the NFL landscape the Seahawks 5 and 0, Bucks 4 and 2 with a huge win over the Packers, that was great. The Bears quietly at 5 and 1. The Cowboys of course miserable there. Chiefs 5 and 1. Tennessee Titans quietly at 5 and 0 and the Steelers, nobody's talking about them, 5 and 0 and your Bills 4 and 2. Of those teams which one has surprised you the most, most, and which one are you saying, hmm, you know, they are steamrolling and nobody's talking about them? I say Steelers, I say Titans really come to mind. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I think I, I, when we had uh, our preseason, I think I had the Steelers going to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, the Steelers are. Uh, uh, the biggest surprise, not not the biggest surprise, uh, but you know, Arizona would have to be a big surprise. Also, I think the Las Vegas Raiders are a surprise because they're playing pretty well right now after beating uh, Kansas City. Uh, but again, I think the Steelers. You look at the elite teams. Uh, Seattle's kind of a surprise a little bit. I didn't think I knew they were good, but I wasn't sure they were. You know, get off to this kind of a start. Uh, so those, those are you know some surprises there. The Seattle on the and uh, and uh, Pittsburgh. But again, I'd I'd throw Arizona and Las Vegas in there as surprises. Tennessee, uh, you know, they went to the AFC. Everybody forgets they went to the AFC Championship game last season. So I mean, yes, it's a surprise. Now the big question with Tennessee was 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 Tannehill just a flash in the pan, or is uh, could he continue to do what he did last year? And obviously, the answer is he's continuing to do what he did last year. He's really hooked up with uh, I believe it's Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator, and boy, they're on the same page. And I'll tell you, when your coordinator and quarterback are on the same Page. And then when you have a bull like Derek Henry in the backfield that you can go to and, and uh, hand off, and that opens up that play action pass. And defensively, uh, the Titans have always been a very physical team. When you play Tennessee, you come out of there and you have to be in the uh, Ice Bowl for uh, about a week after you play those guys. So, uh, yeah, Bravo's done a great job with the uh, Titans. And, uh, you know, again, uh, but a lot of people think, well, hell, oh, big surprise. And they are little, you know, I grant you, they're a surprise. Uh, but again, uh, don't forget they uh, had quite the run to the championship game last year i'll tell you one team that i'm disappointed in is indianapolis i think philip rivers they've got to sit him down i just uh now they did have to come back against cincinnati but uh he just looks old and slow uh they've got to you know they've got to think of the future they've got to figure out uh, a way to get uh, a young quarterback in there maybe jacoby Brissett. but uh i thought you know indianapolis to me is a very disappointing team uh i thought they'd be a little bit better at this point than they are but uh again rivers to me is uh you know, I was hoping that he could uh you know, have one last hurrah, but I just think he looks awful.
1: And he does look awful. I was gonna ask you real quick, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that everybody's talking about, uh, vying for his talents, of course, out of the draft. This situation with the Jets, how can Adam Gase, this supposed genius who's 0 and five, this past game didn't score a point? Now you can understand if you throw up a bunch of points, you lose. You can say, hey, look at the offensive genius of this guy. Doesn't even score a point. Greg Williams, defensive coordinator, has been kind of quietly snubbing him a little bit, saying things about, hey, we need some help offensively. But for a guy that can't score a point in his last game, go 0-5 and afterwards stand up in, for, in front of the New York media and say, you know what, uh, we're going to do some things better and we're going to improve in this area. And this area. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, who's he saying this to? And there has to be a real estate agent on the other end of the line. I cannot believe this guy surviving another week 0-5 without the without the Jets saying, hey, we've seen enough of this. There is nothing here in terms of redeeming quality. Let's get rid of this guy as quickly as we can and try to start over.
2: Yeah, so-called quarterback whisper, but he's actually ruined Sam Dar- Darnold's career, uh, at least the beginning of Sam Darnold's career. And uh, now there's speculation that uh, the Jets may dangle him in a trade uh, and, uh, you know, try to maybe, I guess, try to get Trevor Lawrence out of the draft. But, uh, yeah, this guy is an absolute joke. And you can't score a point in this uh, in this uh, NFL season when everybody's scoring pretty much at will. That's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, the Jets are a mess. They have been for a number of years. And, again, uh, Adam Gase, I'm with you, Jamie. I just don't, I can't believe this guy is, uh, you know, uh, still coaching him. I mean, I would just expect that uh, he'd be gone uh, you know, maybe by the time their bye comes around, but uh, he, he just uh, he's lost all the, you know, the players are rebelling against him. As you mentioned, Greg Williams is kind of in the background uh, whispering to the media uh, and it's getting louder about, you know, we need help with it you know, offense needs to score and all this. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mess and, uh, you know, I'm not so sure Adam Gase, they say, you know, he's a quarterback whisperer but uh, they said that when he had Peyton Manning. Now, do you think he was a quarterback whisperer for Peyton Manning? I don't think so. I think Peyton Manning pretty much knew what he wanted to do, uh, but he hasn't, to me, he hasn't been impressive with regard to young quarterbacks, and I, and I feel for Sam Darnold, because Darnold has some talent, but uh, I think he's had his third offensive coordinator in three years, and uh, you know, I think if he could get into a situation where he had some stability in the O.C. position, that uh, he might be able to flourish a little bit better than he, than he is
1: Absolutely. Our great friend, Mike Neville, MHN Productions owner, covered high school, college and pro sports will join us after the break. We're going to delve into a couple more topics. Of course, tonight starts the World Series between the Dodgers and the Rays. We'll talk about that. And I want to get his take on our great friend of the Sports King program, Mike Doc Emmerich. I think the greatest hockey announcer of all time has hung it up. I want to talk to Mike Neville, get his take on the illustrious career of the one and only Mike Emmerich as we continue the Tuesday morning edition of the Sports King. Don't touch head dial. We'll be right back.
2: Hi, sports fans. This is Hall of Famer Andre the Hawk Dawson of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to a guy who hits a home run with every show. It's the Sports King with Jamie King on Sports 106.1. Hi.
3: Hi. Tim Cosgrove here, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We exist to move lives forward. That includes volunteering to support local charities and our community, like the Virginia Breast Cancer Foundation, St. Jude Children's Hospital, the Ask Childhood Cancer Foundation, and more. In fact, over the past two years, CMA's Colonial Honda has donated over $30,000 to local charities, plus a brand new Honda Accord EX worth over $28,000. All the money we have raised has gone to support local charities and organizations like the St. Jude Dream Home Giveaway. But we need your help continuing to spread our message and bring awareness to those in need. We can beat cancer with your support. Ask me today how you can help. Moving lives forward. It isn't just a catchy phrase, it's a firm belief. From all of us here at CMA's Colonial Honda, thank you for your continued support. Visit CMA's Owners just do more.
0: Let's get back to the guy who said, where there's a will, there's a relative. Ugh. You're listening to Sports King, right here on Sports 1061.
1: Come back, everybody. Tuesday edition of the Sports King. I'm watching some reporting, and they're talking about Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, being looked at as a head coaching candidate. I know you like that, Mike. As we're rejoining, Mike Neville, our great friend, uh, covered high school, college, and pro sports, owner of MHM Productions. He is a regular contributor to our program, and we thank him so much. Uh, of course, that news uh, moments ago as one of the candidates being looked at. Um Moving on to a topic near and dear to our hearts, a a gentleman that we both uh, frankly love in terms of what he has done in broadcasting, a career that's unequaled, affectionately known as Doc for his doctorate in communications, Doc Emmerich, Mike Doc Emmerich, who has been on our program multiple times, has done some commercials for us, has done a lot for us. Uh, I've been able to talk to him privately, one-on-one, get to know him. And consider him a friend in this business, Mike, when you look at what you've done and many people uh, throughout our careers uh, (laughs) and yours longer than mine uh, have always talked about your voice being in many people listening in the community and around uh, that have heard your voice. No, I've heard I've heard a guy's voice before because Mike's done so many commercials, you have, and you've done so many voiceovers and things like that, and you've called games, play-by-play, you're an expert in those fields. When you look at a guy like Doc Emmerich at 74 years of age and his resume including 22 Stanley Cup Finals, 8 Sports Emmy Awards, excellence in every way, shape, or form. When I look at that guy, I, I look at you and I say to yourself, you're the best I've ever heard from somebody I've worked with. But when I look at him from a uh, a level in terms of the network level, I've never heard anybody better in terms of a hockey broadcaster. It's been the most exciting thing. And you know you have that background in hockey being from upstate New York, and you've had that from childhood. I haven't had that as much. But as I got into the sport, it was because of a guy like Doc Emmerich that brought the game to life in ways I'd never experienced before and made it so exciting in ways that it's hard to put into words. But, Mike, when you look at his career and what he's done, can you sum up what he's meant to you in terms of broadcasting excellence?
2: Well, number one, um, I don't think I could be compared or put in the same sentence with doc Emmerich. Uh, eight, eight sports semis I have none, but as far as uh, Doc goes, uh, he's the best uh, you know I grew up uh, and people hopefully the people around my age will remember if they're hockey fans. A guy by the name of Dan Kelly, he called the St. Louis Blues games. He was also on CBS when they had the uh, Stanley Cup finals he, he called the Bobby Org goal that uh, won the uh, Bruins their first Stanley Cup. Uh, he was the one that was the best uh, hockey announcer that was until uh, Doc Emmer came along. Gary Thorns very was very good, or is very good, at calling um Hockey, uh, but uh, Doc is the best. He sits at the top. Uh, but Dan Kelly was up there on football side. Ray Scott was uh, who did the Green Bay Packers games. Uh, was one of my favorite uh, announcers growing up. But uh, Doc is the best. I mean, the way he can paint a picture and paint the the broadcast and some of the stuff that he comes up with as far as uh, the history of the player or you know where they went uh, played uh, you know minor league hockey. I mean, it's just unbelievable how quick he is. And now I, I will say uh, he is. Seventy-four, And it happens to all of us that he was – I think he was slipping here the last few years. So I'm glad to see him retire. But, you know, he was still – don't get me wrong – still very, very good. And uh, like I say, he was the best. But I, just the way he could – the pace of the game um, and just the way he, uh, again, painted the picture for you. If you closed your eyes, you weren't watching on, even though it was on TV, he found a way to uh, – You know, keep uh, points that you weren't uh, seeing on the TV screen, whether it be through a graphic or whatever. And he was just, he's just, uh, just unbelievable. I I hope, I hope he does well in retirement and uh, stays healthy. And uh, he's one of the good guys in broadcasting, that's for sure.
1: Of course, he said he and his wife Joyce and their pups are going to have a nice retirement together. We certainly wish him the very best. Of course, Gary Bettman, the uh, NHL commissioner, said in the 103-year history of the National Hockey League, nobody has ever conveyed the sight, sound, passion, excitement, thrills, and intricacies of our game better. And, Mike, I think you'll agree with me, hockey – and you're a play-by-play guy, probably the hardest sport to call of all. Would you not agree with that in terms of the puck and trying to keep up with it? Now, that that's the way I feel about it, and hopefully you concur. But when you look at not only the intricacies of watching the puck, but then you've got the Russian names and the long names and the uh, kids from small Canadian towns, and he'll go from – full speed and it'll be a stop and play and he'll say friends J- john smith from saskatoon whose father was a welder i mean he yeah. could just meld everything in and he makes it so eloquent and so easy and i'm like then he throws the words yeah. like skitter and all the different adjectives he throws it's just an amazing like you said i think you said it best as far as the artwork that he has the artistry of his words in terms of painting the picture Of a hockey game. And you think to yourself, these big bruising guys in a hockey game going this fast, and then he's able to paint that picture for those listening or those watching and make it so exciting. And I don't know if you've ever felt more excitement when you hear a team that you love score a goal like my Case in the Capitals and the way he helped uh, bring that excitement about it. It was like something I'll never forget. I'm so glad that my team was able to win and Doc Emmerich was behind the mic. But in 50 years of being behind the mic, he still got chills, he said, watching the Stanley Cup being brought out and all the things. You knew he was a purist. Now, he said he loved the fighting aspect, and some people do, some people don't. But, you know, and you look at what he's done for 15 years at, at NBC and all the things he did. He was with the Devils, many people forget, for 21 seasons. Yeah. And he called 22 Stanley Cups. But like I say, I know it's a sport that's not easy to cover. And as you said, the intricacies of the game. But 100% of the proceeds, he also is writing a book uh, since he's stepping away from hockey altogether as far as broadcasting. He said 100% of the book that he's writing right now about his life and career coming out this Tuesday. And we'll have him hopefully on to talk about it. will go to hands-on care for animals. So beyond what he's done. And they have said the things he's done from humanitarian side, somebody will send him a mask or somebody will send him a hat or something. He puts money in an envelope, sends it back to the person with a personalized thank you note. You just don't see guys like Mike Emmerich. He's just that (laughs) quality of a person. And we've been so blessed to know his like and watch what he's done. But like you said, the Gary Thorns of the world. You know John Miller in baseball and so forth, but I know he's made an impression on you, and I know he's fulfilled so many things for you from a standpoint of just being able to experience him calling the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some of the, the the. Descriptions that he has for like a, you know, you'll hear him say uh, the defense and pitchforks it out of the zone. I mean you know, meaning that if you're familiar, it's a backhand out of the zone. But he uh, he just doesn't say you know he backhands it out of the zone. He you know pitchforks it forward or whatever. It's mean, just unbelievable some of the sayings he has. And uh, you know, man, I, you know, and, I, and of course being a broadcaster, I sit there and watch. I go, man, that is a great way of describing that. You know, and you try to pick up those little, you know. Uh, little nuances and so forth, and uh, like I say he's the best. And you know, hockey. Uh, actually, I think he was more of a baseball fan, Jamie. I think he wanted. to, You know, there was rumors that he was going to do uh, baseball uh, a few years ago on the national stage, but uh, he stuck to hockey. But he's a very big baseball fan as well. But uh, sad to see him go because he's one of the great ones. But uh, like I say wish him well and hope he does. Uh, you know, be as safe and continues to have great health. And uh, you know, looking forward to to reading that book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing he told me I'll pass on to all you younger listeners out there listening to the program this morning on Sports One O Six One alongside Mike Neville, you're listening to Sports King Show, is the fact that he said he would take in his early days a tape recorder and go up into the old AHL, you know, hockey buildings and sit there in the upper deck area and by himself with just a microphone and talk into it and just call the game, then go home and critique himself. And he said he did that starting out and, you know, very humble beginnings and he learned just by doing. And so if you want to be a broadcaster, you got to do those things and practice, practice, practice. And Mike Emmerich did it and did it like nobody else ever has. We're going to transition now with our great friend, Mike Neville to tonight, the start of the world series featuring the Tampa Bay Rays and the LA Dodgers. Now on paper, Mike, you look at this and you've got the powerhouse Dodgers who've been installed as a 170 favorite over under seven and a half in this game. But it's the Rays that have captured my heart throughout this year. Kevin Cash, who I feel is the best manager in baseball, has this Rays team. And I love what Kevin Kiermeyer said. This guy Kiermaier, one of the most underrated superstars in all of baseball, he said when the Rays were hoisting their American League Championship trophy, he said, you know what, when you look over here, you see a bunch of guys that nobody knows. He said, we know them, and they're excellent baseball players, and maybe the world's starting to know about them. Of course, Randy Azarena is one of them, a guy that won the MVP of the series. But when you look at this Rays team, they do the little things well, the fundamentals, they move runners, they, they pitch well, they field well. It's not that they do everything spectacularly, but they do everything well. And when you look at them, I know the Dodgers who got by the Braves, and boy, what a masterful contest those were. I mean, the Braves should have won, could have won. It was just such a battle between those two great teams. But the Dodgers somehow found a way. They're big boppers, though. The guys that hit the ball a long way. That's what concerns me. Uh, the race have been great pitching-wise. Tyler Glass now gets the ball tonight against Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw's had his issues. Of course, he threw for uh, 13 strikeouts a few weeks back, but then he's also been hit very hard. What's your take in this one in terms of Rays versus the big dollars of the Dodgers and the big hitters? Who do you like in this one?
2: Well, there's a you know a lot of pressure on the Dodgers because they have, for the last few years, I mean they've been the West Division champs, and you know everybody thinks they're going to get to the World Series and so forth, but they fall short. And I was hoping they would fall short this year, but unfortunately it didn't happen that way. But uh, they they you have to go with the Dodgers as far as the favorites because like I say that is a powerful lineup, and uh, you know Mookie Betts and company. They uh, you know unlike the Rays, who kind of manufacture runs, like you said, Jamie, are, are kind of an old school uh, approach to baseball. Uh, The the Dodgers are the power hitters, and uh, it should be a big challenge for that Tampa Bay pitching staff. Uh, I I mean, I think, you know, uh, in the course, momentum. You would think the Dodgers uh, coming off that exciting uh, seven-game series with Atlanta would have the momentum. But, uh, you know, I I get to raise a a fighter's chance. Uh, I don't know. I can't see this being a sweep by any means. I think this is going to be, you know, maybe a – five, six, maybe even a seven-game series. But I like the Dodgers to win this just because I just think they have a little bit more firepower on the offensive side than, uh, than Tampa Bay.
1: We want to thank all of you watching Facebook Live and uh, listening on Sports 106.1. Folks have chimed in today from Stafford, Virginia, Culpeper, Virginia, Savannah, Georgia, London, England, Tampa, Florida, Somerville, South Carolina, Sacramento, California, 4.30 in the morning in Sacramento watching the Sports King. And I thank you so much for getting up. You talk about early out there. Mike, I do want to ask you this. Cody Bellinger, who hit the game-winning home run uh, the other night against the Braves, uh, Braze popped his right shoulder out by celebrating afterwards with a big, uh, uh, I guess, arm-to-arm bump. He pops his shoulder out, and of course, he should play tonight. not sure. You and I do that. I think we'd be on the IR for six weeks. These guys go in and get it popped back into place. The hitting of Bellinger and the fielding of Bellinger, and you look at Kiermaier on the other side and the speed of the Rays, it seems like they've been pushing all the right buttons. Uh, Kevin Cash, as I've said, I I think is the best manager in baseball. The guy has one of the lowest payrolls, and he gets the most out of his players. And then you got Dave Roberts on the other side, and there's a lot of pressure on these Dodgers. I just think from a pressure standpoint, there's more on the Dodgers than are the Rays because the Rays, yes, while they played some of the best baseball this year, nobody said, hey, those guys are the best, the very best, because, of course, you got the Yankees and all that, but they continue to rise through. Do you feel that the loosey-goosey attitude of the Rays and the fact that they go in here with nothing-to-lose type attitude – will be to their benefit against the high-powered Dodgers.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great uh, comparison right there and uh, great analogy because uh, and I think this is the uh, game that the Rays have a chance because Kershaw, even though he's such a great pitcher, that you, in postseason he has not been a stellar pitcher. He's been good, but uh, you know, and he's been doing uh, dealing with some back issues. And boy, the way he pitches, I can understand why he has some back issues. But uh, I think this is the game where the uh, and you say, well, it's Kershaw, yeah, it's Kershaw. But I think this is the game where Tampa Bay could get them and get out to a one nothing lead. I I kind uh, you know, I kind of compare this to the Lakers' Heat series where, you know, nobody really thought the Heat would get to the finals, and they did. And they were kind of loosey-goosey, and they were able to force the uh, Lakers to six games. But, uh, yeah, I think this is, uh, and like I say, this opening game, I think, is one where the uh, the, the Rays have a chance to uh, steal one because, like I say, with Kershaw, uh, he's been, been good. He's a great regular season pitcher, but he has struggled in the postseason. So this might be one where Tampa Bay could steal one to start this series off.
1: Before I let you go, I've got to ask you, this is out of Buffalo, New York. The Bills have applied the trademark, the much-beloved Bills Mafia, and your thoughts on this? The team has applied for two trademarks through the United States Patent and Trademark Office seeking the use in merchandise to sell. Uh, merchandise for that Bill's Mafia moniker. The first is a standard character mark for the phrase and seeks to grant exclusive use of the term on clothing, such as hat, shirt, sweaters, and any other apparel items. The second is for a logo that uses the term in the team's font and also includes the, the uh, streak that is present on the team's official logo of a bison. The logo features the word Bill's in a vertical position aligned to the left of the word Mafia with the streaks visible across the two letters A in the Mafia. So the question is... the Trademarks filed October 12th. The Bills are trying to claim ownership of the phrase, who owns this, Mike? Is it a fan-owned deal? Is it the Bills' ownership? Who's going to come down and be victorious in this? And are you a member of that Bills Mafia?
2: Uh, I'm a member, but I'm not a card front card uh, <laughs> member. I can tell you that. I just uh, I'm just a Bills fan. But uh, you know this type of thing uh, got gained momentum with the fans, and uh, you know uh, it's just uh, swept all over the world. And uh, you know, every, listen, every every team has great fans. I mean, you know, but uh, obviously, obviously I'm a little partial to uh, Buffalo fans, the Bills fans, because uh, you know I think uh, they're one of the more passionate fan bases. Washington's got a, fan, a passionate fan base, and so forth. I mean, everybody does. But uh, you know Kansas City and Buffalo, the smaller market teams, uh, Pittsburgh. You know those fans there, I think, are really uh, deserve the recognition they get uh, when they're on national TV. And Bill's Mafia is uh, is, is, is no slouch in getting that recognition, and uh, deservedly so.
1: Absolutely. Mike, we can't thank you enough for joining us this morning on the Sports King program. We wish you well the rest of the week. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to have you back very quickly as we get more into this World Series, and we'll look at you at the end of the week here talking about maybe some NFL games and the NCAA. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you, my friend.
2: All right, buddy. You take care. Thanks for having me on.
1: You got it. We're going to come back on the Sports King program on this Tuesday morning. We have found out that Kyle Larson has been reinstated to compete in NASCAR in 2021. We'll talk about that and much, much more as the Sports King closes it out on this Tuesday morning.
0: Hi, this is Bart Oates, Super Bowl champion center from the New York Giants. You're listening to the Sports King show with
3: Jamie King on Sports 1061. Hi, Tim Cosgrove here. General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We exist to move lives forward. That includes volunteering to support local charities and our community, like the Virginia Breast Cancer Foundation, St. Jude Children's Hospital, the Ash Childhood Cancer Foundation, and more. In fact, over the past two years, CMA's Colonial Honda has donated over $30,000 to local charities, plus a brand-new Honda Accord EX worth over $28,000. All the money we have raised has gone to support local charities and organizations like the St. Jude Dream Home Giveaway. But we need your help continuing to spread our message and bring awareness to those in need. We can beat cancer with your support. Ask me today how you can help. Moving lives forward. It isn't just a catchy phrase, it's a firm belief. From all of us here at CMA's Colonial Honda, thank you for your continued support. Visit CMA's Owners just do more.
0: Want to reach the sports king? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it.
1: Welcome back, everybody. A Tuesday morning. Hope you're doing great on your ride into work. Don't touch that dial. The best sports coverage in the area continues as Big Al, BAC, Big Al Coleman. We call him Hoss. He calls us Hoss. It's an enduring term that we love around here. Sports 1061, Facebook Live. Big Al taking over here in just a few minutes. He's warming up in the bullpen. Right now, we want to turn to our resident expert, Ben Maitland. Of course, he knows everything NASCAR. We learned that Kyle Kyle Larson, of course, can return to NASCAR competition next season. Ben, what do you know about this? It uh, took quite a while, but it looks like he's going to get
4: another ride. Yeah, Jamie, good morning. It's uh, been expected that he would be reinstated by the sanctioning body by NASCAR, and he was officially reinstated on Monday, yesterday, more than six months after being suspended for his use of a racial slur. We all remember that back during the month of April earlier this year uh, during an iRacing event. Um, Chip Ganassi fired him on April 14th. That was one day after NASCAR had barred him indefinitely as part of a a behavioral penalty. He was ordered to complete sensitivity training at NASCAR's direction as a condition for being reinstated, but he will also have uh, more requirements to fulfill in order to keep his um, status in NASCAR. So he um, has again been reinstated. It is effective January 1 of 2021 and uh, The expectation now is it's been for a while that he will find his way to to Hendrick Motorsports. It was announced, of course, that Jimmy Johnson stepping aside. We know that Alex Bowman is moving from the 88 to the 48 to take over that number. And that ride from Jimmy Johnson, that still leaves one car available at Hendrick. And that's really the last domino I feel like to fall uh, in the silly season, which is what it's referred to on the NASCAR front as far as where drivers end up um, if they're looking for a new ride. It is expected, I think, that he'll end up with uh, Hendrick Motorsports. You know, It remains to be seen what the number would be, but that's all the talk. That's all the the buzz out there. I think it's all, but um, it just needs to be made official, uh, to put it that way. Uh, Eric Jones is going to end up in the 43 car with Richard Petty. That was announced yesterday, too. So just a few rides available for the 2021 season. And Kyle Larson, he has, again, been reinstated and is expected to have a, a ride at some point with a with team, my guess is it would be Hendrick for 2021.
1: Okay, so there you go. Kyle Larson getting back behind the wheel. Some other news and notes real quick. We understand that Zach Martin from the Dallas Cowboys, he's been lost. Of course, the All-Pro has an injury, and they're dealing with that, a concussion protocol situation. Martin, uh, of course, is in a situation where he's trying to get back as quickly as possible. The Cowboys, of course, lose Monday night's game 38-10. to They prepare for Sunday's game against oh, – The good old Washington football team, that should be interesting. Uh, The Red Rifle going against Kyle Allen in that one. So just going to be ugly, to say the least. But expect Ezekiel Elliott, who said, the blame goes to me. The loss is on me for the Cowboys' loss last night. Two fumbles, turning it over. He says he'll come back strong this week. Of course he will, because he's coming back against the Washington football team. So that's the situation there. Right now, the offensive line for the Cowboys, uh, right tackle Terrence Steele, right guard Connor McGovern, center Tyler Biades, left guard Connor Williams, and left tackle Brandon Knight. Not a lot of guys you know on that line, and that line has been really overturned because of injury. The Cowboys replaced Martin with 2018 third-round draft pick, select Connor McGovern, who just had two snaps of NFL experience before last night. So they are in deep influx there as far as the Dallas Cowboys. So we want to thank Mike Nelville for joining us. Thank Ben Maitland as well. Don't touch that dial. Big Al coming up next with Sports Phone, and he'll take your calls as well. 804-327-0888. We'll be back for the Wednesday edition of the Sports King Show. We really appreciate you being with us on Facebook Live and on Sports 1061. Don't forget tonight, the World Series gets underway. The Tampa Bay Rays, the upstart Rays taking on those Dodgers of Los Angeles. Should be an exciting uh, battle between a young team and a very high-powered team It'll be exciting, nonetheless. Don't touch now, Big Al. Next, have a great Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Wednesday edition of Sports King.
3: At CMA's Colonial Honda, we exist to move lives forward. That includes volunteering to support local charities like the Virginia Breast Cancer Foundation, St. Jude Children's Hospital, the Ash Childhood Cancer Foundation, and more. In fact, over the past two years, we've donated over $30,000 plus a brand new Honda Accord EX to support local charities and organizations like the St. Jude Dream Home Giveaway. Moving lives forward. It isn't just a catchy phrase. It's a firm belief. Visit CMA's Owners just do more.
4: With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager Ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at Coastal.edu.